Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Susan talking about Step 3. Hello, Susan Alcoholic. Susan. Can everyone see me? It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit difficult when you're 4 foot 10, however. Uh, when I get nervous, my mind goes completely blank, which is really handy. So if I just stop and, and I'm staring, just feel free to wheel me off to the side and bring on the next speaker, that'll be fine. Um, but what I love about AA is that we're sharing on our experience, strength and hope. Not perfection, thank God. And that was always my uh, big downfall, was that I felt that I had to be perfect in everything, and if I wasn't, I was a failure. Um, and that's something that I still battle with today. Uh, the wonderful part about that now is that I have a higher power that I can hand that sort of stuff over to. Now, um, I've made notes. I haven't got one of those little duvalackies that the other speaker had with a pokey stick, you know. I've, I've actually got paper uh, written in ink with a pen. <laughs> just because I, as I said, I go blank and wander off... Um, or just, just wander off. <laughs> um, in the How It Works chapter uh, discussion on step three, um, it talks about um, getting self-will out of the way. And before it even goes into that discussion, the first prayer, uh, I think, that uh, is in the big book um, is in that chapter. And it says, we ask, we ask God's protection, um, you know, to help us uh, with complete abandon. And it starts by talking about how self-will will always get in, in the way. Self-will has what has always blocked me off from um, my higher power uh, and any help that I thought was available because uh, there was never anyone or anything that I had ever been able to rely on and that's what I was acting on. I was only acting on what I knew and what I knew was that if I didn't do it, if I didn't get myself out of this or fake my way through this or whatever it might be, then I was, go I was finished. Um, so when I first came in the fellowship in AA, I knew nothing about anything, in fact. I didn't have any ideas. All I knew about was surviving. I survived those years of alcoholism. Um, I didn't understand what anyone was talking about, uh, riddled with fear, terrified of the world, as somebody said today, the speakers earlier, um, the world was a dangerous, threatening place and I had to do what I had to do to survive. And um, there was no person I could rely on, there was nothing I knew about that I could rely on. The only thing I, I, I thought I could rely on was grog. Um, and when when I hit the wall, there, was, there wasn't even that. And that's what finally drove me into AA. 
was because everything that I thought uh, was making life bearable was no longer there. So everything had become unbearable. But still it took some years to get sober because, like I said, I, I didn't know what anyone was talking about. I was too afraid to ask anyone. Most importantly, now, hindsight's a great thing because I had no capacity for thinking anything through. I don't ever remember having <clears throat> any thought, you know, I, I think this. Uh, I didn't, everything was muddled and confused and I'd think one thing one second and a whole opposite thing the next second. Um, uh, there you go, see, I've just totally forgotten, never mind. So, <laughs> oh, that was it. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel worthy of asking anyone for help. Um, I had never been worthy in, in, in my life up to date. I'd always been told and treated as if I had no worth. Uh, lower than no worth was actually, you know, some thing that didn't matter at all. So that was, that was my huge block right there was that I never felt worthy. I didn't feel good enough to ask someone to help me or what does this mean or what do I have to do? So I was in and out of AA for a number of years and in that time I was in uh, a detox and a rehab. I've since found out in recent weeks that the time frame that I thought that had happened in, as in being in the detox and rehab, was out by about 10 years. Uh, because somebody said to me, yes, we're in that, we're in um, Pleasant View together. And that was the late 80s, and I could have sworn it was the early 90s, but it doesn't matter, you know. Who cares, I was there some time frame, the 20th century, that's good enough for me. Um, so, while I thought I, I, I've still got a choice, I've st I can still, you know, nick off and drink if I want to. While I had that option, that's what I did. It was only when I finally unravelled and everything hit the wall and I came crawling back into AA, that option was taken away from me. And thank heavens it was, because at that time I was so frightened so badly frightened by the evil that had come into my life that I was desperate for this God, higher power, <clears throat> whatever it was that I'd heard about in, in my travels. I was desperate for knowledge of that God. I didn't know anything about it, whatever. All I knew was that the feeling in the rooms of AA was where I felt safe. And I know now that that's recovery. And with recovery is love. I believe that recovery is based in love. And I think God is love. <clears throat> that's my personal um, opinion. Uh, what, I, what, I, what I've experienced in these years is that this is an intensely personal journey. It's a very intimate um, journey. Our, each of us, our relationship to God is a very, very personal thing. Um, 
And I think, I believe, that Bill knew that and, you know, the other members. And that's why they've said, God, as you understood him, because they recognised, I believe, that it's a very, very personal God. And it's been that way with me. And that relationship and that, that idea, that concept, has changed over the years. Um, and thank heavens for me that I was too nutty. Uh, not a lot's changed in that area, but <laughs> just maybe it's gone underground a little bit. But I was too nutty to have any intellectual idea of what, I had no intellectual idea of anything, of, of it to have any prejudice against God. <clears throat> Excuse me, as, as it says in the big book, uh, you know, the great persuader was alcohol. That took all argument from me. Um, I, I uh, have an issue with, um, uh, I've heard seasoned speakers say that step three uh, is just a decision. That's all, we don't have to do anything, it's just a decision. Well, no, I don't agree with that. It's a bit controversial, isn't it? Good. <laughs> of course it's a decision. It's a vital decision. But it's also followed by action, I believe. We make the decision that we need, we're convinced that, as, in, uh, as it's said in step two, step one and two, we have no power. So we need a power greater than ourselves. And then the program suggests that we turn our lives over to that power. Yes, absolutely. So that's the decision we make, but then it's followed by action. And the action is the prayer, is telling God about it, is giving that power to God. I believe that's the action. It's an action step from now on, from three on, are action steps. The contemplation steps and the admittance is the first part, and now there's action steps. It's a decision, but it's certainly an action. It's followed by that prayer. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when I came to that, I had no um, doubt uh, that this is the answer to the hell I was living in. If I wanted to get out of this hell and keep this little bit of sobriety that I finally had, it was only, a, you know, a, a small amount of time. I, I have no idea when or, you know. But I, I was desperate to hold on to this little bit of sobriety. <clears throat> I knew I had to do that. Yes, higher power, whoever you are, take this wreck of a life. If you want it, please take it. <clears throat> Excuse me. 35, 35 years of smoking has done its damage. I haven't smoked for a long time, but it's done its damage. <clears throat> so that's what I had to do. I, I had to give God this wreck of a life and say, you take it because I have no idea. <clears throat> I can't deal with it anymore. I've wrecked it to date. So whatever's left of it, you take it. And I didn't know how or what that meant. I just knew that it was the right and the only sane thing to do. Um, now, I had no concept of a higher power, as I said. I just knew that 
whatever was in the rooms was what felt safe and loving to me. Thank heavens there's only 10 minutes left. <laughs> um, so what I did was uh, I was just willing, and that's what it says in the How It Works chapter, willingness is the, the main element of step three. And I was at a, my old Preston meeting and I heard a little um, Aboriginal elder sharing. I think he was a Yorta Yorta man, but I'm not sure. His name was Ian. And um, I haven't seen Ian since. He was travelling around um, and he'd come to um, Victoria and he was sharing at our meeting. And he was um, sent by the higher power for, for me, for me, you know. But I, I heard something that he said. First of all, he had such a loving face, a beautiful man with such a, a loving face. There was love and peace shining out of his face. And he kept talking about the great spirit and how important that was in his life. And his message was so simple, but it was so powerful. And I knew he knew. And I had to get the courage to ask him, what, what is it and how do I have access to that? Because I had to know. That was the next thing I had to know. And he said to me, you ask the fella, he come. I thought, what the hell does that, <laughs> what does that mean? But it was so simple and it was nearly so simple that I missed it. But on the way home, I thought about those words, ask. There it is. I didn't know about the willingness bit in step three, but that's what it was. I was willing. And this little bloke said, ask, just ask, and he'll come. So, I mean, it sounded daft to me, but what did I have to lose? He had it, and he knew, and I needed to know what he knew, and he told me. So why would I ignore that? So I went home and against my better judgment, you know, I thought, well, I'm, this is what I'm gonna do now, I'm gonna ask. But of course, being an alky, I can't just ask. I decided I was wearing the wrong clothes. I should be wearing something <laughs> more formal because I'm going to my <laughs> God of my understanding. I can't be sitting there in jeans and thongs. And So then I thought I'll put on a nice shirt and or maybe not that shirt, maybe this one and this jumper and and did, you know, proper shoes and just, you know, but thank God I got all that rubbish out of the way. That's what I did, I just asked. And as, as, as messy as I tried to do it, as it turned out, I think my higher power just asks of me to be willing. And I, I was certainly that, you know, I was probably nothing else but willing, five minutes. Uh, <laughs> and I was a sometimes slowly because it took time, you know, for me to feel that I had uh, some connection. I, don't get me wrong, from the moment I did that, I felt a quiet, um, I suppose just a quiet, knowing that I just might be all right. That's all it was. But it's grown from there. And it's something that I 
rely on now heavily. It's not just something that uh, is nice to have in my life. It's, it's guidance that I take literally and I've acted on and I've relied on it 100% and I've, I've, I've done, a, you know, I went over to England for 12 months um, to live and work um, four years ago and I just left Australia um, and turned up in London with no job and nowhere to live and knew no one, but I had God with me. And I've done things like that. I've gone way out, went to university at 45, you know, to study full time and, and came in with all the 18 year olds. You know, they, they thought it was quite funny, this old codger with them and I was sort of like the mummy in the group. <laughs> But I had God with me, and that's what I do. If I ask for something and God gives me guidance, I act on that completely. It's just the same as if a very trusted, loved mentor that I went to see regularly gave me this valuable advice on how to live. Um, so once I'd made that decision and I put in the action, as Cliffy Roach said, I love Cliffy Roach, you might know him, he's a seasoned speaker. He said, step three is the formal terms of surrender. And I love that because it's so evocative, it just um, paints that picture in my mind that we're wrecked, we've been defeated, and we go to the, the, the victor, the, the, the mentor with our formal terms of surrender and say, I'm completely beaten, you take me. Uh, so that's been my experience with step three and it's something I use every day. Thank you. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.com Thanks for letting us share.